listeners, this is Marsha Epstein, and it is May 7th, 2018th. It's beautiful in Lawrence, Kansas, and this is Talk With Me, where, as I often say, I, I live at the intersection of art and mental health, and sometimes leaning more on the art side, sometimes leaning more on the mental health side. Um, my professional work is on the mental health side, and I love the way that arts of all kind bring people together. You know, it's it's that thing about communication in really open ways. It's that thing about sharing and connecting. And my guest today is is also the result of connecting. You know, I think about that part, and that excites me as well. Um, this poet was brought to my attention by a poet who was hosting some events um, when he was based in Kansas City. And then later I had the opportunity to introduce this poet to another poet publisher friend in New Orleans. And so these different things happen and there's lots of goodness that gets created. And, you know, it comes back to that whole thing about bringing people together, people who are in the audience, people who are creating art, making more connections, sharing more goodness, learning from each other, elevating each other. So much good stuff. So I've been vague. I haven't told you who I'm talking with, and I'm going to do that and invite Lindsay Garcia to say hey to our listeners. <laughs> hello. Hello. I'm so thankful to be here. I am glad to have you join me for conversation today. This is wonderful. And so the starting point, that's one of the few things that's, that I'm consistent about is I always invite my guests to introduce themselves rather than me reading from a formal bio. So Lindsay, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Oh boy. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Lindsay with a Z. Um, I am currently living in Lindsburg, Kansas. I'm about to wrap up my bachelor's in uh, English, philosophy, and leadership. Um, I plan on headed, heading back to Colorado um, at the end of the month to work with the Humane Society. Um, oh, I'm yeah. from Colorado originally, uh, so it'll be neat to go back as an adult. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so I love at this Humane Society, right? <laughs> the poet <laughs> <in residence>. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, um, I love sunflowers and whiskey <laughs> and meeting people. <laughs> <laughs> that was the personal ad part, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that Humane Society is is work that you'll be doing, and I and I am here with our dog, who's a rescue dog, and and my brain launches to yet another poet. I don't know if you've read or experienced Rob Plath's work in any way, but Rob Plath is a poet. Um, much of his work is published through Epic Rights Press, and Rob is in Long Island, New York. Well, Rob is, I'm, I'm sitting, I love this, I'm sitting in my living room and I'm looking at a painting that Rob did of my rescue dog. <laughs> so he paints, he does photography, he, he does wonderful intense poems and Rob volunteers as a walker for this organization called the New York Bully Crew which rescues pit bulls who've been abused and fighting and such and they teach these dogs what it's like to be loved and then get them adopted again so you have beautiful yeah you you have something important with Rob Plath who maybe you'll meet in October if you get to <laughs> pop into Kansas City for Fountain mm-hmm. who knows mm-hmm. or in Florence a little sneak preview Rob Rob and Todd uh, Cirillo who I alluded to as the New Orleans wonderful wonderful person Wolfgang Karstens are all actually going to do a reading here in Lawrence, Kansas, on Thursday, October 11th, which is the night before Fountainverse. So, anyway. Wonderful. Cool stuff going on. <laughs> yes. yes. So, dogs and poetry, those are good things. Cats, other animals. I know humane societies are more than just dogs. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And you are doing lots of things with your poetry and others' poetry. I'm, I'm really intrigued by how you manage because so many people will say actually when I was in college 
I was busier than when I finished and had jobs and other responsibilities. So you've mm-hmm. been doing lots. So, so tell us about some of the poetic ventures that you're involved with currently. Sure. Um, so first of all, uh, at Bethany, we started up an English club a few years ago. And part of what I wanted to do with that was start a poetry series in Lindsberg. Um, I'd been going to one mic, one mic in Salina for a couple of years. And that really inspired me to extend the poetry community. Um, and I thought that we would have enough support to make it a successful uh, event. So over at the White Peacock, one of the little coffee shops and bookstores in Lindsberg, um, we started those. And rather than just having it as a series, we've been going nonstop since December, um, well, about a year and a half ago. So that's wow. been really exciting. And that allows Bethany students to really showcase their work. And it's not just poetry. We do a lot of music. Um, there's some rapping going on. Um, we shared prose pieces one night. Um, the travel writing class that I went to New Orleans, we shared those stories that night. Um, so that's been kind of my, my little poetic love child for Lindsberg. Um, I've also been uh, coordinating and hosting one mic in Salina, and that has been an absolute blast. That's what really was the catalyst for being immersed in the poetry community. So it was neat to be able to be up there and think about these last couple of years of uh, my poetic life and just keep it going. Um, Mm -hmm. With hopping back to Bethany, uh, our English club also makes a little chat book every year um, for work that we have made uh, collectively. Um, And that has been really fun. It's been interesting making a little book and we had some, uh, some issues with the printing of it, but we fixed it all up and are distributing them all around the country. I've been mailing them like crazy. Um, So it's fun just to, just to toss poetry everywhere. Uh Um, Let's see. My solo book came out, which was, I think the single most exciting thing so far. Uh, And that has led to a lot of door opening, just um, I guess being taken a little more seriously as a poet. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been tagging along with Victor Clevenger and John Dorsey on a couple of their poetic adventures. Which is huge. I mean, that is like, those are powerful poets. Mm -hmm. And and I'm just going to say it. Often it's harder for women's voices to be elevated in the mix of powerful men who don't intend to, but sometimes take up all the air in the room. Right. I've been really thankful that they have not only had me along to the adventures, but have set up readings um, during them as well. It's been so much fun. I mean, I'm all about the poetry community. I love poetry, but it's Uh the poets and the people who support the community that are the most important to me. So getting to know people in Dallas and Pittsburgh and New Orleans and Denver and all around Kansas has just been absolutely thrilling for me. Uh That's really, really cool. And how did that, how did this all start? start? I guess I'm thinking you've been, you've been writing. It was a couple of years ago that you and I first met when you performed at the Raven bookstore here in Lawrence. So how did this all start for you? Cause now, I mean, you are totally immersed in this national poetic community doing lots of really cool things. And again, I'm going to say it shouldn't be, but it's harder for women to get that prominence. So I'm interested in how you started and some of the some of the turns along the way from there to here and where you're headed. But the start part, how did you start writing? Oh, <laughs> well, um, I have an older brother and I just think the absolute world of him and he would write poetry all of the time. And so little 12 year old Lindsay thought to herself, I'm gonna write poetry too. Um, <laughs> so a lot of really angsty, couplet uh, poetry. And then uh, in high school, I started a creative writing club um, because I have been best friends with my English teacher. Um, So he and I started this creative writing club and um, I took a creative writing class and that really helped develop um, just more knowledge about poetry and different types of poetry and things that I just hadn't been exposed to before. Um, So 
Then I'm still stuck on the word started. You in high school and your teacher started this creative writing club. So you've yeah. been powerful behind, we need to do this. Let's do it. I'll help do it <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I just love it so much and I want to do it. So I make sure it gets done. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then in college, um, I also took a creative writing class um, and that we were required to go to poetry events. Um, it was in April. So Salina has a bunch of different poetry series and we were required to go to a couple of them. And so I went to one mic. Um, and then I went to a reading by Beth Ann Fennelly at Martinelli's in Salina. And um, that was really the catalyst of it was going, starting to go to these events. And then um, certain poets of the Salina community would then invite me to go to different shows. We would go to Lawrence or we would go to Kansas City and just go to different poetry readings. And I just thought that was absolutely amazing. It was so much fun. So uh, I want to ask about that though, Lindsay. So you and your your interest, your dedication, your willingness to connect and, and eagerness to be part of this, you ended up doing lots of things with lots of people. And I want to ask this question. Were there other people in terms of you and people involved with your activities at Bethany College um, who also did some of this? Um, I had a couple classmates. Um, uh-huh. One of my classmates, Kathleen, is also fairly passionate about poetry. Um, uh-huh. She is considering going to get her master's uh, in creative writing. Nice. Um, so she and I were um, pretty uh, focused on poetry. I had a friend of Micah who just liked the idea of having um, different sorts of creative writing. Uh-huh. Um, so a couple classmates and I, I I've kind of been the really hard pursuing poetry um Uh but they have definitely been wonderfully supportive and have had really innovative ideas to help Uh us do what we want to do Uh and and i'm asking that with that interest in sort of how poetry scenes have developed in different places or or maybe not just how they've developed but but how in in recent times poetry communities are kind of ebbing flowing starting stopping know sort of what dynamics um, help that happen and in asking about your classmates what I was wondering and and what I'm hearing is that your intense passion you know those other people may also have been very passionate and supportive but your intense passion really led the way you know you you there was no question in your mind that you're going to do this you're going to learn this you're going to connect you're going to hear more experience more keep improving your writing you know and and so you were sort of the the point person leading this with whomever wanted to be involved, which is very cool. Very cool. Thank you. You are welcome. So so you connected with Salina poets, and and as you're doing this stuff, you know, I I know you're saying you know poetry obviously really resonates for you, and the and the community resonates for you. Can you tell us anything specifics about that, like? What what's it like for you personally when you're, you know, to even if you can remember, like even in those earlier days, starting to write what what was what was it that sort of reinforced that? Yeah, I need to keep doing this. I want to do this uh, a long time. I want to do this. I want to try different ways. I want to you know, I want to really be immersed in this particular art form. You know, are, are there things that you're aware of that's like this is this is what this was doing for me to be to be writing this stuff? I think a lot of that is just talking to poets. Um, Being a philosophy minor, I get really excited about the complexities of understanding, but also the simplicity of understanding um, our earthly experience. And so just sitting and talking to different poets and getting their perspective on anything I can um, Uh was really... (laughs) just stimulating. Um, and then I would read their work and see where their philosophical perspectives would be um, ah. intertwined with their poetic sensibility and seeing how I could understand uh, existence just better through poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of Heidegger and he talks about how Poetry is the closest thing we have to understanding capital B being. Um, and I resonate with that 
well because I think that uh, artists of all sorts just see the world a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, well, everybody sees the world differently. It doesn't just have to be artists. Everybody sees the world differently. And so right. if I can enhance my perspective more by talking to more people, by gaining more perspective, um, then that that leads to writing about it. And I think that um, my favorite way of writing about it is through poetry. And my favorite way of reading about it is through poetry. And if I cannot um, directly converse with a poet, at least I can gain some sort of their perspective through their poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of just thinking differently. And I, I really appreciate that. And that always encourages me to keep going because I, I learn something new every single time I talk to a different poet or we have a different event or mm-hmm. uh, anything like that just excites my brain. Mm-hmm. And and that gets me to wonder, do you at some point imagine yourself going back to graduate school and pursuing something that puts you in the position of of writing in a more um, kind of academic way about poetry and and poetry and being, you know, as you were talking about, or also because of the opportunity to teach? I mean, is that something that you would see likely at this point or maybe not so much? The consideration is definitely on the horizon. Uh-huh. I love school. I love learning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love I love school. Um, so to not have school these next couple of years of working, I still plan on taking some classes on the side. Uh-huh. Um, and the more I can pursue poetry and philosophy, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely definitely uh, something I have interest in. Uh-huh. Very cool. Well, and and so while you're in the, it sounds like you're you're saying you've made at least a two year commitment to working uh, with the job you're going into at the Humane Society that you'll be at in Colorado. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So you, you expect to be in Colorado at least two years. I I'm I'm gonna just throw a little. You know, I'm gonna have to assume that you'll be doing some some vacation breaks. That's other people might call them vacation breaks. That for you will be. <laughs> going to read and experience poetry in other communities. And, oh, absolutely. And I, yeah, and I'm going to make the guess that being from Colorado, that nature, outdoor things are a plus. So here, here's my plug. Heidi Rock and Stephen Anderson, um, who were in Lawrence, Heidi was the owner of the Raven Bookstore, which she was the, the owner when you did your reading here. Heidi and Stephen, who is also an art photographer, have moved up to the area of Door County, Wisconsin, which has wonderful opportunities for kayaking and things like that. Um, They are opening a bookstore in a year called Yardstick in Algoma, Wisconsin, and will be having art of different kinds as well as poetry readings and a few pop-up events this summer while they're rehabbing the building, this historic building that the the bookstore will be in. So, um, you know, if you're interested in heading to Wisconsin, we might make that little <laughs> connection. I've I've been in contact with Heidi about, yeah, I want to to keep letting people know who've had great experiences here in Lawrence that they will be able to do that at Yardstick and I'll go to Wisconsin next year. <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Because that and new people, and, and, and it's funny because just coincidentally, I think that's the, one of the reasons this this sticks in my mind is that um, our dog Bo, um, my husband and I went to that area last summer to do some kayaking, and so we know that area. And coincidentally, when we booked our trip, I didn't know this at the time. Um, there's there's a great um, writer in residency program in that area that both Denise Lowe who is a former poet laureate of Kansas and based in Lawrence and Rhonda Miller, who's a poet based in Lawrence. Both of them did residencies up there in wow. the summer of last year. So, so there's lots of things going on up there that, uh, that might be opportunities for a Ms. Lindsay Garcia as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm very interested in the idea of residencies. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. So I'm interrupting all over the place. That's what I do. That's where my brain goes. Like, oh, wait, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about that. 
And so I want to interrupt myself and say, it would be lovely to have you share some of your poetry. Sure, sure. How many would you would you like this time around? You get to choose however you'd like to do that. All right. Well, this is the first one um, because it's very appropriate. Uh, this is from my new book, Thank You. And it's called I Love You, Lawrence. Uh, because I absolutely love Lawrence, um, but I am also in love with Lawrence Ferlinghetti. All right. uh, I wrote him a love letter a couple of years ago. I filled it with rose petals and everything and thought, you know, what 92-year-old man doesn't love getting a love letter from a 20-year-old? Absolutely. That's cool. <laughs> he never responded. That doesn't mean he didn't, re- he didn't reply to you. That does not mean he didn't respond. You, I can imagine uh, the joy of opening this envelope and, and the... the notion that that yet another generation of poets this one in particular this Lindsay Garcia is inspired so I think that's awesome yeah anyway uh so I love you Lawrence um this imitates uh his book poetry is insurgent art poetry is releasing dead rose petals out the window while going 90 down the interstate poetry is man eavesdropping on public transportation Poetry is blistered passion. Poetry is amusement in filling time before death. Poetry is kissing air and air not kissing you back. <laughs> That's beautiful. And it parallels your having sent those rose petals to him. I love that part. Thank you. Which, yes. Which came first, the writing of the poem or the letter to him? The letter to him. Definitely. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorites. It is co-written with my best friend, Tammy Olson. Um, she did an entire painting series based off of each line of this poem. Um, and that has been wonderful to see it develop. She was studying in Italy, and she said, Lindsay, I have these few phrases in my head. Can you help me turn them into something? Um, and so okay. together. Paintings and poetry, you just said, right? Mm-hmm. That is so cool. And, and I always I tell this person that I that I constantly refer to her because there is, uh, as you may know, this term ekphrastic poetry, which is about that visual art and poetry together. One one influenced maybe one is the inspiration of the other. Um, and the poet Shanet Krasa, who's based in Kansas City, is the first person who, who told me about that and showed me for, for Shanette, she does, her native language is Spanish. Um, she writes in Spanish. She actually has somebody else translate into English. So uh, even though she's fluent in English, but, but uh, that's, that's how she collaborates and has a painter who she has worked with quite a lot. So just as you are, this is very cool. So I want to hear more about this. <laughs> It is called, I Wish I Were a Garden. Plant me with the lavender. Braid my soft, dark petals between uncut blades. Press seedlings into each crease of my soiled skin. Wait. Nourish. Wait. Bury my root-turned toes to share kisses with worms and absorb the sky's sorrows. I will grow. You will wait to harvest me. Ah. <laughs> season by season, let the moon decide my shade. Let the bees arouse me and transfer my soul to the next sprig. It's beautiful. Thank you. And so in in real life, are you somebody who has plants in your life a lot, whether they're outside or inside, since we've heard about roses and lavender? <laughs> <laughs> I love nature. Uh, uh-huh. Yes, I love plants. I cannot keep a plant alive to save my life. Um, <laughs> but I can appreciate plants that grow independently of me. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow, flowers are the best, man. <laughs> I have a lot of dead flowers around. I have dead flowers <laughs> hanging everywhere. <laughs> well, I'm going to say those are dried flowers, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, this one is another one of my favorites. It's uh, a representation of one of those manic days where you just want to run around and touch everything. Um, so this, this was published on the Philosophical Idiot. It's called Spew. 
I want to say what's on my mind, but know that what's on my mind is grungy and raw and kind of smells like a flower shop with a hint of urine. I want to know I have the power to hurt people and just hurt everyone a little bit for a little second, like a pine needle in the ass or a too hard high five. I want to not live in a limbo of professionalism and agony artistics. I want to create and create and create and suck and create and drink too much coffee and get sweaty and cold. I want to not at the hand of inspiration spew the chunks that fell off in my mouth. I want to read poetry in the women's restroom and climb as many buildings as I can. I want to pretend to jump off and make everyone suck the air in real quick and intense. I want to make out with a book and get pregnant by swallowing its ideas. I want to burn its baby book and burn it. I want to spread its ashes on my softest parts and let tomorrow swallow me. Wow. That, that is a very different poem from the other two. I love that diversity. It's very Thanks. intense. Yeah, yeah. So what was going on when you wrote that poem? Um, <laughs> well, it was actually originally uh, a little text rant um, uh-huh. to a friend. And uh-huh. I, was, <laughs> I was at work and I was terribly unmotivated and it was really nice outside. Um, and I just wanted to climb on everything and just really embrace this intensity that I was feeling. And I don't know where it came from. Um, mm-hmm. It was just one of those days of feeling the intensity of the world, I suppose, uh, and wanting to express that. Mm-hmm. And when you say that, that makes me wonder, like, for me, the world changed with the November 2016 election, changed in ways that, that uh, I couldn't even have imagined. And, and so I'm saying that with the question back to you, has that affected your poetry? Um, yes and no. Yes, mm-hmm. in the general sense that it's changed the way um, all of America is living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that indirectly changes it. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a terribly political poet. I don't like to be angry. Um, I am angry and I am disappointed. Uh, but I feel as though I have internalized it and am able to express it in ways that aren't directly uh, political. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think it has to be directly political, although I do also wonder about things like not just me too, but I think a heightened awareness of the challenges for women. And as I've mentioned several times, I I have white male poet friends who I adore, who have become like family to me. And I am white and I am heterosexual and I love my husband and I love my sons. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not anti-male um, in in terms of, the you know, how I live my life, who I love, those, all of that. Yet I also see the difficulty of other voices in in virtually any venue. Um, other voices, people of color, people of sexual um, orientation and gender that isn't what is mainstream, you know. All, all these ways that people of less privilege um, are... I mean, that just sums it up. There there are too many people who have less privilege because of something that isn't anything that should be good or bad. It's who we are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So so I, I wonder, you know, I wonder what it's been like for you as, you know, a young 20 something and seeing sort of a new wave of, of awareness and, and advocacy and, and how that affects, again, you and your art. Um, you obviously perform poetry in venues with a variety of poets of all kinds of different backgrounds. What do you experience? Uh, I think 
one of the larger overarching things that I do experience is that we are still full of this certain flavor of optimism. Um, it's really easy to lose optimism uh, when facing those struggles directly or indirectly. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that this generation of all sorts of artists has to maintain that optimism to keep life colorful. Um, so even while uh, poets, or I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep using artists. Um, mm -hmm. Artists, uh, and now I've lost my train of thought. Um, well, the optimism that's that's needed to continue to create, I think, is part of what you're talking about. Right, right, and to find inspiration in places that we haven't traditionally found inspiration. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we can only write so many poems about trees, but we uh, can also write a lot of poems about misogyny or sexism or racism. Um, and then those very particular individualized experiences too. Uh, mm -hmm. And not using them as solely an expression of fear or anger or distrust or mm -hmm. disappointment, um, mm -hmm. but we can use them in a way that allows us to, I don't know, take advantage of them and express them in a way that encourages other people to be more aware Mm -hmm. and encourage people to be more accepting. Um, and again, I think the larger perspective uh, of the individual is the most important thing to just keep working on. Mm -hmm. I think that the more perspective you have, the more um, accepting and uh, understanding you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important in the arts because you're constantly being exposed to these new ideas and these new ways of accepting and appreciating. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've seen that a lot. It's been a lot of fun because we can take a lot of the sphere and create it into something more productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I, and I think that we can reach different people through that word that you use, the optimism, um, as opposed to slamming people in the face with with content that they are going to put a wall in their brain about. I don't want to hear this. Right. You know. So so finding ways to in to get messages in that aren't so threatening. And and I'm at the same time saying for some people or some artists being able to be absolutely in people's faces and confrontational mm -hmm. is what they need to do. But that's mm -hmm. not the only way that art can help people learn and grow. And so, you know, I think that's, it's, it's really cool to hear you use that word optimism, you know, that, that positivity um, to me, because sometimes uh, for a variety of reasons, I can look at the world um, and think this is more scary than, I'm used to <laughs> right. than I thought it would be at this point in time. Whatever, I don't even know what the context is, but you know, and yet to, to also remember that every single day there are people doing good things in huge ways and in small ways, and that's all important, you know. We, we Indeed. Have, yeah, yeah. And and still I, I get back to I'm so impressed with you, and I'm going to say creating opportunities, you know, you, there's, there's a part of who you are as a person that allows you not only to want to connect to, but to be assertive about taking the risks, right. To be actually mm -hmm. connecting and going and trying. Things. Yeah. There's been a lot of spontaneity and, uh, -huh. uh <laughs> just, uh, I don't know, figuring things out as they come. Uh-huh. And <laughs> how have you done that while going to school where there's so much required? You know, you have to be here for this. There's this exam. There's this project that's, mm -hmm. you know, so many dates that you're tied to. How have you managed this? It's been hard. Uh, I will be honest. It's been very difficult. I, yeah, I'm busy all the time, uh, and it's mm -hmm. exhausting. Um, but it's mm -hmm. wonderful because whether it's, the Bethany College community or the Lindsberg community or the Salina community or whatever it may be, my family. Um, 
everybody's been really, really supportive. There hasn't been a single person who's told me, no, Lindsay, you can't do that. Um, uh-huh. If I'm going to school and, for example, I got to introduce Wyatt Townley uh, uh-huh. at this um, series. Of Kansas, yes. Mm-hmm. At this series in Salina. And it hopped over my work schedule. And the next day, she did a writing workshop that was during one of my classes. And mm-hmm. so this, this last year in particular has been a lot of um, prioritizing what I think is most important um, mm-hmm. for my professional development. Mm-hmm. And so while class is indeed very important to me, <laughs> and I hate missing it, um, sometimes I do prioritize poetry over that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But I am very transparent with my professors um, and my peers, and I let them know this is what's going on. This is why I think it's beneficial for me to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they support me through it. Um, mm-hmm. However, there are other times where school is definitely more important, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, I will totally spontaneously go to Dallas for the weekend, but I have to be back by this time on Monday because I have these three meetings and this uh-huh. class and my, my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a lot of just kind of feeling around what I think is most beneficial and what mm-hmm. I think uh, will be the most helpful for me to grow, whether mm-hmm. that be, um, you know, being a good student and being able to make sure that I can land a decent job outside of college or, you mm-hmm. know, being um, this uh, very, I don't know, a community figure for poetry and art. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been difficult. Um, yeah, school I, school is so important to me. I, I definitely have to prioritize school a lot of the times, and so I try to work my schedule around that. Um, it's been a lot of time management practice these last four years. I just say yes to more because I love everything I do, yeah. and then I have to make it work, and so I make it work. Yeah. And, and what I hear in, in what you're talking about with the prioritizing is, and Lindsay, there's an integrity about you that is, I am here for learning and sharing that learning. And to be able to say that to a professor that I'm going to need to be late to this class, because I have this opportunity to be with Wyatt Townsley, the former a former poet laureate of Kansas, um, is different than saying uh, I overslept because I partied too hard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I make sure that I still get all the work done, um, and that I communicate with them, so I don't ever feel like I'm screwing either party over. Right, right, right. So I want to hear more about New Orleans and the project that took you there because, you know, I follow little bits on, on social media of some of the things that, that you did. And and that seems like a great way to, to a great story about combining the, the academic and the life experience, bringing those things together with these things that you did. So, so tell us about you and New Orleans. Oh my goodness. I could go on for hours about New Orleans. Um, first of all, I love traveling. And um, my favorite professor, Dr. Van Tass, we just call her KVT, uh, she does these travel writing classes. Um, her brother is Rolf Potts. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, he's a travel writer. Okay. Um, so we read some of his work and we got to read some of um, the best travel writing anthology excerpts. Um, and she usually alternates between Mexico and New Orleans. So, and it's an every other year class um, during what we call interterm, which is uh-huh. this really intense um, month long, uh, like in between the semesters, it was in January. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to go to Mexico, uh, although I really wanted to. And I didn't think I was going to be able to swing New Orleans um, just because I have so many responsibilities and uh, the finances of it. And, you know, there are a lot of factors going against it. But I really, really wanted to go. And so we found ways to allow me to go. Um, mm-hmm. And so about, we had about a week of classes where we just read travel writing and we practiced writing creative nonfiction, uh, which was something totally out of my realm. Um, and there were students in there that I would never have anticipated being interested in a class like this. And so to hear why they 
wanted to travel and why they wanted to write about those experiences uh, was really fascinating to me because I just love getting to know people um, mm -hmm. and, you know, wondering what they were going to write about because um, I love to write, but I had never even seen anything that they had written or known that they liked writing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was very exciting. And then we get to New Orleans and it's freezing. It's the coldest winter they've ever had and everybody's shocked. Um, and we stayed in this really wonderful hostel called Site 61. I can't remember. Uh, but a really great hostel. And we got to talk to a lot of people that were staying there. I made friends uh, with this little old man named Paul just traveling across the country. He's going to be in Kansas next week, and I'm hoping to get coffee with him. Um, so we just immediately started talking to people, and we got to meet with a couple of the renowned professors from Tulane and Loyola. Uh -huh. um, and we read City of Refuge uh, to prepare us for just understanding New Orleans from this very direct after uh, Hurricane Katrina and after all the flooding. Um, it, we just didn't have any sort of um, direct grasp on that being not from New Orleans. And so to read work like that while being in the city was mind-blowing. And so the structure of it, was that we were required to read uh, City of Refuge, Best Travel Writing, and then we were required to journal every day, as well as um, the end goal was to write this creative nonfiction piece about New Orleans, about our experience there. Mm -hmm. um, so we would meet up uh, and just discuss the schedule of the day, and then about every other day we would actually have class. The rest of the time we were let to independently roam around New Orleans. Um, and I think that was really important for finding these stories, having that alone time, having that exploration time um, in an entirely new place. None of us had ever been there except for our professor. And so we all got to experience what it was like to um, feel like an outsider and how to better immerse ourselves in the whole of New Orleans to uh, have a better experience. I thought that you know, the more comfortable and confident I became in uh, my relationship with New Orleans, the better the experience would be. Mm -hmm. um, so I started making friends with the bartenders. Um, I got to hang out with Todd a lot, and that was really, really wonderful. And that's um, Todd Cirillo, who's a poet and publisher with Six Foot Wells Press. So part of a huge, great poetic community and a wonderful person. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and that was really neat because he would take me wherever I expressed interest in and, you know, give me the history of it or some fun, um, just some fun facts. Like we both had to do laundry. So we went into our laundry uh, and it used to be a recording studio. It was the first recording studio for rock and roll. And so to be able to do my laundry in such a historical place wow. um, with, with another poet was amazing. Amazing. Um, it's just New Orleans has so much character. Uh -huh. I yeah I absolutely need to return. Um, yeah, but it was very inspirational. It was strange to have it be so cold, and everybody was shocked by it. Mm -hmm. uh, but oh man, I had the best time. So, do you happen to have any poetry around you that is poetry that is inspired by that trip? Yes, um, the second to last poem in my book. Uh, is called Fitting into the Fabric of What These Streets Hold. There's a certain taste to the air and texture to the people of the greatest city in the world. You're right. Everyone should live somewhere with a lot of colors. Burgundy time has allowed each royal gem to sing louder, more confidently, with more soul, and for an enthusiastically curious audience. Men play jazz to dogs and blow kisses in return for a smile they've been waiting to incite all day. Certain boundaries don't exist here because the respect of our collective humanity does. Like Tennessee Williams, I hope to die here, and part of me will. I will plant my seed because I know the New Orleanians will love and nurture me properly. While my seed flourishes here, the surrounding area of my form from which I detached it will die. I promise to return. Wonderful. Thank you. And, and I'd love, uh, I love that as you were talking about New Orleans, that 
reminder of how much we learn by experiences of travel, how much, you know, there's, there's risk taking involved always in terms of getting into conversations and trying new things and appreciation, you know, like of the cultures that, that are represented in different places, you know, different things that you talked about that, that, you know, I, I, I hear you talking and I'm, and I'm thinking for our listeners, um, whether they are older or younger, to think about that that energy that you're bringing into your life and your work, that openness, you know, and that's that's an important lesson for people. It's, it's like there's a there's a quote that I that I have shared with people with friends that is from of all people Shonda Rhimes. So for me, that means I'm connecting it to TV in a way, but. But she's an artist of another kind. And basically what she says is, I'm not lucky. I work really hard and I am a badass, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and that's what I hear in you. It's like it's not, it's not just that these opportunities are finding their way to you as you're passively living your life. You're right. out there living life intensely and trying things and learning things and connecting with people. And that um, informs you as a person as well as the writing that you share with the world absolutely i mean poetry is just the written expression of the lives of the poets mm-hmm. and uh really living out the way that i don't know just living just <laughs> just being uh is so important uh-huh. um and you know you can't help but write that way yeah if you live that way yeah so i would like to know what gave you that commitment? What, what brought you to the commitment that I'm going to do this work in, in this humane society af- at the end of this stint of college? Uh, well, it wasn't my original plan because nothing ever seems to be it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, my mother uh, does all of the graphic design for this particular um, sect of it. And, uh, mentioned that they had a job that seemed right up my alley. I was like, you know what, I I really want to go into publishing. Um, This work would, you know, it's not in the publishing industry, but all the publishing industry jobs that I could find were uh, scientific presses, uh, like Allen Press in Lawrence, Mm -hmm. great, great press. Um, Or they were academic presses, and I just wasn't ready to hop into that because if I were to work with an academic press, I would also want to be getting my master's alongside it in publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wasn't ready for that. I hadn't looked into grad schools. Um, I really wanted to take the time just to work for a little bit. Um, and so, you know, and, you know, the other option is small press. And mm-hmm. while I love supporting as many small presses as possible, there just isn't room for employment there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I talked to um, my now boss and it is this it's like a three-in-one job i'm doing all of their public outreach um their event planning and other communications work um like social media and you know updating the website um and that was exciting i thought Mm -hmm. you know if i don't go into publishing then i have had an absolute blast with these poetry events maybe i should pursue event planning Uh Um, and so to have that opportunity and Um, I'm actually family friends with the woman who used to do their event planning. So I called her up just to talk about event planning in general. And, you know, she mentioned of the Humane Society. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing this job now. And she's like, oh, I just finished up doing that job. So that was a a fun little uh, family friend connection. Um, I Yeah, I didn't even anticipate going back to Colorado yet. uh, But... It was. It's just a really great opportunity, and I think that it will allow me to continue building my network. And I think uh-huh. that it will help me cultivate um, these skills as a professional. Um, uh-huh. You know, not as just a hobby, but professionally. Uh-huh. Um, and, and here's the thing that you know, as I hear you talking, so you know somebody who I'm going to assume from what you said is of a different generation than you, who has done the position that you're going to step into. Mm-hmm. You you bring you and your experience and your energy and your familiarity with social media and, and what kinds of events, you know, different different than what that person brought. And both are valuable. 
But I can also imagine that you might do some things that are very different and that inspire new people to connect with that agency that you're working with. You know, and, and I think about um, things that I'm involved with on the mental health side and how some of us do some things that don't look like traditional mental health stuff. The event that I host every year on World Suicide Prevention Day isn't mm-hmm. a it's poetry and story and comedy and drag and music. You know, mm-hmm. there are comedy shows that happen in different parts of the country in support of different kinds of mental health causes. You know, there, there. I think about, you know, I was, I was thinking about how did I not think about the, the poet um, John Yamris, who's in Pennsylvania, who has a book called Bark with, with uh, actually the cover art is by Rob Plath, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm you know that that there's these these lovely connections with with poetry and other kinds of arts and and the the dogs and cats and other animals that end up in humane society and so you really may have that opportunity to do a lot of what you're actually doing yet do it for a new purpose for a new audience exactly exactly <laughs> i love that yeah. And I, I'm really supportive of the Humane Society, um, uh-huh. and I have definitely delved into more nonprofit work these last couple of years, and uh-huh. uh, I, it's so important. It's so important to have these organizations, and I'm excited to be working with them. Not I, I've enjoyed the volunteering side of it, but I'm excited to actually uh, put a lot of myself into this. Yes, yes. And and I I hope I don't offend by saying this, but I hope that what the things you do are not like Sarah McLaughlin ads. <laughs> are so disturbing. They're so disturbing. I'll uh, maintain my optimism. <laughs> oh my goodness! Not only are they disturbing, but the first year that I saw those, I tried to to make a donation in um, in honor of my father who was passionate about his dog. His dog was the, the joy of his life. Once he, when he finally got a dog of his own, that just became this thing that, you know, brought out a whole other side of my, my dad, who is not a particularly loving father to his children, <laughs> but he adored this dog. So I wanted to make a donation uh, as a gift to him. And I wanted them to send the t-shirt to him, not to me. And the the silly person who responded to my inquiry said they couldn't do that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> exactly. What do you mean you can't? You're gonna mail right. a shirt someplace anyway. Right. What difference does it make if it's different than my billing address? You know, my credit right. card. <laughs> so that just pisses me off. <laughs> Too much postage. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's really cool that you'll you'll try your your art and your connecting skills, and no doubt, again, bring new people and into this organization as supporters, as volunteers, as people who adopt animals who need homes. You know, all those ways that people can get involved. That's that's mm-hmm. really exciting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really interested because growing up in Colorado, uh, I was heavily immersed in the music scene. Um, I had a band. My brother and I played music all the time. Um, I love singing. Um, and so that's that's the scene that I know in Colorado. I've never, I did poetry once in Colorado. Um, and it's the exact opposite here. I haven't done any sort of music here. My brother and I played an open mic here once, but mm-hmm. it's very uh, poetry centered here. And so I'm very interested to go back to these musical roots while also mm-hmm. uh, folding in this new poetry community. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very curious about the whole thing. So mm-hmm. we'll see. What part, what part of Colorado will you be in? Um, I, I grew up in Evergreen. I uh, will be working in Littleton and um, we'll be looking for somewhere to live around that area. Ideally, mm-hmm. I would like to live back up in the mountains, um, mm-hmm. but it's expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And so I will uh, spend these couple of years saving money to look uh, toward mm-hmm. moving to the mountains or maybe back to Kansas. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I'll be in the Littleton area. Um, that'll be nice. 
You might end up doing some West Coast time. I don't know if you've done that yet, but there's sure a lot always going on that direction as well. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, one of Todd Thrillin's partners with Six Foot Swells Press is Matt Amat, who is in mm -hmm. Oregon. And mm -hmm. there's the awesome Alexis Roan Fancher in Los Angeles area, who's a poet and photographer and hosts uh, events at a place called uh, Baroque. I can't think of what it's called. Baroque is part of the name. And she's a, the poetry editor for Cultural Weekly in L.A. I mean, there are all these all these people yet to connect with that you will keep keep on. And then and then you're going to find people who are like, I have wanted to meet you, Lindsay. I've heard all about you. You know, <laughs> you're going to be one of those ones people are seeking to connect with. And, and when you realize that's happening, too, that's that's always like, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> I walked uh, I walked into the bar yesterday. Um, and, or I guess it was Saturday. Uh, and I go out to the patio and, uh, I don't even know this woman, but I hung up my book release posters all over Lindsberg. It's an itty bitty town. Uh -huh. And I walk in and she's like, oh, you're the famous author. And I was like, I'm working That's on it. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. So that was a very odd experience, but brought me uh, a wonderful little piece of joy. Yes. Um, so yeah, I definitely look forward yes. to experiencing some West Coast poetry. Uh, yeah. I have looked into Washington and Oregon and California. Uh, uh -huh. Everything over there excites me. So uh -huh. definitely on the agenda to make it out there. Yay. And it's interesting, the reception that you got in places that aren't one of your home bases, you know, like it's, it's very cool that somebody in your area recognize you from the poster. Uh, sometimes whatever people's field of expertise is, they find that they're not as um, exciting to people in the communities that they live and work in as they are when, when they get a few miles away. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> So for Lindsay Garcia to return to Colorado from Kansas as a published poet, it'll be a different world. That's very cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So is there any additional poetry that you had particularly picked out for this podcast as we get to our last few minutes? Because I want to make sure, sure. That do that. All right. Um, this one I was thinking about um, with a lot of your mental health work. Um, I used to write poems on my body all the time, and uh -huh. I plan on getting um, at least thank you tattooed. Uh, and I love the idea of being our poetry. So this one is called Flesh Writer. The only difference between writing on my flesh and writing on tree flesh is that mine, although it has been shredded, has not been reconstructed into a new, more fragile substance. I am shredded much stronger. Ah, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Um, this one is called To the Man Who Gave Me Poetic Omnipotence. Interactions with one another remind me of Pinot Noir. There is a personal skin of boundary, but it is thin, making our cognizance of one another's depths fulfill the color gradation. Once blended, the outermost ring of transparency is enhanced in our time together. If we sip each other's souls tomorrow, it will taste different than if we indulge today. Beautiful. And, Thank you. and this one... Go ahead. This one uh, <laughs> is one of the sillier ones. Um, I've been writing uh, a few seduction poems, and I'm just, I've just been having fun with them. Um, and I didn't anticipate this being a seduction poem until... Uh, Somebody called me on it. They're like, that's the blowjob poem. And I'm like, this is not about blowjobs, but I guess it is to you. <laughs> uh, it's called explosion sound because I didn't know how to spell an explosion sound. <laughs> if you were a poem, I'd eat you raw. Rip you right out of your freshly printed book and shove you as far into my ready mouth as my tasters and tonsils and conditioned punching bag allow without swallowing you. I'd marinate you in my saliva and muster patience for the slightly soggy, tender, 
but still complete version of your texture. I'd grind you down with my greedy and thorough molars and get your graded bit stuck where my wisdom teeth used to be. I'd save you in my gum and cheek pocket, and every time I'd pucker my lips, your words would shoot tingles across my entire mandible. This is lovely. <laughs> it, it, that, that you have a friend whose first response was blowjob poem. And my guess is that you will have a lot of men who will <laughs> hopefully think that's what this is. <laughs> yes. 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 I was like, I don't even know which poem you're talking about. Yeah, here's this one. All right. It's a, it's definitely an experience being a young woman uh, mm -hmm. in this scene, but I've had a blast. I use it to my advantage. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And we are at the end of our hour as you need to hurry off into your busy life. So I want to make sure people know that this is Lindsay Garcia, who we've been talking with. She has a new book out, Thank You, from Spartan Press. Buy the book. Check for opportunities to hear Lindsay. Follow her on social media. Good things will be happening. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me again, Marsha. It's always a delight chatting with you. You are welcome. And thanks to Daniel Smith, who produces the show, so everybody else gets to hear it, too. Thanks. Thanks, Daniel. And so long. Bye-bye, listeners, and bye, Lindsay. So long.